Hi, everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I am Atara Torsky, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com, spelled with two E's at the end of curly and two E's at the end of girly. And I am here with my amazing co-host and good friend, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. Hi, Atara. And hi, everybody. I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot. It's the world's only global parenting magazine. And you can find me at thebabyspot.ca. Now, we have an important topic today for parents to contemplate. And we have a great expert to help us flesh out both sides of this topic. Atara, who do we have? Grace audience, it is my pleasure to welcome Rhonda Moskowitz. Rhonda Moskowitz is the founder of Practical Solutions Parent Coaching, where she works as a trained educator, administrator, and parenting consultant. Rhonda has extensive experience working with child-oriented issues, both from the parent's perspective as well as from the perspective of schools and educators. Rhonda is certified in parent coaching and holds a master's degree in learning and behavior disabilities. Rhonda's years of experience, both in the school system as well as in private practice, has enabled her to assist clients with practical, hands-on consultation and guidance. Rhonda was recently quoted in the New York Times style section in an important article about weaning our children off their devices and getting them back to traditional play. We are so excited to continue this conversation with Ronza today. Welcome, Ronza. How are you? Hi. Good morning, Grace. Good morning, Atara. Thank you for having me. I'm well, delighted to be here. We're it's so happy to have you. Um, and we really want to continue this very important conversation. You know, both Grace and I as parents would love you to really weigh in about the good, the bad, the ugly as it relates to children and screen time and, and really how to handle this in this overwhelming screen age. So so tell us, because I don't think it's, there's ever been um, an age like this for children where there's, there's so much information coming at them at once. Right. And, and it's overwhelming for everyone. I mean, I remember not that many years ago, walking in the streets when you would see people basically talking to themselves <laughs> and wondering, is everyone schizophrenic now? <laughs> oh. But, you know, the advent of earbuds. So things change really fast. Yes. And I think that the best way to describe this is I have three children who are grown now, but this is the way it played out. Child number one, child number two really didn't care. These things weren't available to them. Right. It wasn't a thing right. really until they were probably late middle school, early high school. Okay. Child number three. Right. How old is child number three now? Uh, child, he's a grown-up. Okay. <laughs> Job and health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he came in at the, at the, at the time. Just when it changed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you could see because he wanted it. He wanted a computer. He wanted wow. the games. He wanted to play. And, you know, didn't seem like a terribly bad thing to us, right. but what did we know? And so he played. And then the next thing we knew, all he wanted to do was be in front of a screen and it's only gotten worse. Right. Yes. And there's actually a reason for that, that I'd like to share with you. Please. So software developers and hardware developers don't work in a vacuum. They actually work with professionals, typically psychologists, who really understand something called persuasive design. 
Okay. And what that means is embedded in everything that you use as an adult, that's a screen, everything that a child uses as an, you know, in front of them as a screen has persuasive design. So when your child says to you, I can't get off, they really mean it. Right. Yes. So this is designed to make you want to be there. So you're fighting not just your child, but you're fighting an entire business culture that's created this so that you'll want to buy it, want to use it, keep it in front of you and not put it down. Wow. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of what they say about um, salt and sugar, that it's in the foods and it's actually put there intentionally because when you have sugar, you want more sugar. When you have salt, you want more. And that's how you can finish a bag of chips in one sitting. And that's what this sounds like. Right. That's, that's exactly what it is. It, it was designed that way. It continues to be designed that way. And what's really interesting to me is when you read about um, people who are very big in the tech field, you know, think about Silicon Valley, where do their children go to school? They send their children to schools where yes. tech is not prevalent. Right. Isn't that funny? And it's so prevalent in the school systems across the United States. Like you see iPads becoming the norm in the school system. I don't think, speaking to my six-year-old daughter, she doesn't know what a chalkboard is. <laughs> so, right. She no? knows what a smart board is, though. I right. certainly does, yes. <laughs> well, and, and you know, that's really interesting also because we have, gosh, what, a hundred years at least more worth of information about child development and real hardcore, you know, think about Piaget, think about what, yes, you know, everything right. that we know, yet that's not incorporated into using screens. And nowhere have I seen research about screens and kids. Or no, I don't, I don't mean just, you know, using a screen. I mean, in school. Right. Where have they written up any of the research that says children learn best if they use a screen? Exactly. So are, what do you think about that, Ronza, and the school system? Because I, like Grace is saying, so many schools are going in that direction. Do you think that should be pulled back somewhat? Um, I think that if we ignore how children learn best, which the younger the child, the more you want them in the real 3D world. You want them touching, feeling, learning, breathing, interacting. Yes. Because that's what you're going to grow up to be. Okay. You don't want them in front of a screen all the time. Could it be used to augment learning? Yeah, totally. I mean, there are, you can't, you can show a child the Himalayas on a screen. You could have this, right. you know, panning view of the Himalayas that you're not going to get just by looking at that photo in a book. Right. Yet, if you want a child to learn math, you don't play with numbers on a screen. You manipulate cubes. You manipulate rods. You, t- you, know, you have to touch it, feel it, really understand it. And also, learning is is a a relationship. There's Mm -hmm. person to person. There's a reason there's always a teacher in the class and it's not just on a screen. Right. So yeah, I wish that we could all take a breath, just a breath Mm -hmm. 
and let's get some hardcore research out there about how children learn. Do screens really support that? And my guess is that you're not going to see this overwhelming, it's the way to go. And how do we use bits and pieces of the things that are really good, but make sure that our children are really learning in a 3D world? Well, right. I guess what what you're saying, and it's true of, of almost everything, is balance is the key, right? Because there certainly is a place for it, but but it shouldn't replace the traditional, I think, pen and paper. Right. So human beings are relationship driven. Right. And it's all about being with other people, understanding how to read a face, how to ask a question, how to answer, how to relate, how not to hit, you know. All the things, those, remember everything I ever knew I learned in kindergarten? It's really true. Right. You really learn all that stuff in kindergarten as a young child. That's still part of what we are as human beings. And no, screens are not going away. They're right. always going to be here. Right. And it's how do I learn that I can use this and it's okay, but not let it take over my life. Exactly. So what we're trying to do is find this balance where children are still, you know, with the times when they get into the workforce, they're not going to be so out of touch that they're not going to know how to use screens, but at the same extent, be able to develop and be one with nature and just be just be present in the real world. Um, so with that being said, um, and finding this balance as parents is so hard, right, Atara? It is oh, such an is especially it ever? <laughs> with friends, you know, we're going for hikes and then a friend says, Oh, I'm playing the new, you know, um, Pokemon Go game, and it can influence your child to want to have a device to play. So with that being said, what is the right amount of time for any child to be on their device without it hindering their growth and their learning experiences? Less is best. Yep. I'm I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tell any parent to go home and throw out everything they own. Right. Okay. Because I think that's just kind of ridiculous. It's part of everyone's life at this point. But I would tell them to really pay attention to their child's behavior. Yes, yes. Notice if this, if they're um, no longer interacting with friends, if they're not going out, if they're not reading a book, right. if they're not doing other things. Also, you know, and parents participating, interacting with their child, that's the first thing. Second thing is you want to notice what happens when it's time to get off that screen. How is your child reacting? So the younger the child, if you've got, let's say you've got a three or a four and they're on for a screen for 90 minutes, my, I'm going to guess that when it's time to get off after those 90 minutes, that you're going to see this, this eruption of emotion, of possibly anger. Because young children just can't sit still that long. And if they're sitting still that long and not moving their bodies, when that screen comes off, boom, all that energy is going to come out. Also with, you know, as children get older, same thing. Is it interfering with them doing other things? Do they have a full life? Are they in the real world? That's what it's all about. American Academy of Pediatrics, the, the place all your pediatricians go to for advice talks about less, 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 less. And if you're going to use it with very young children, it has to be in an interactive way. 
So you live here and your in-laws live 3,000 miles away. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> hey, of course. You want them, you know, you want that connection between the grandparent and and the grandchild. That's really significant. Totally. I would have my child FaceTiming right. or, you know, whatever Skype, whatever you want to use. You could have that grandparent reading a picture book to that grandchild and holding right. it up and what showing them idea. the pictures. It's relationship building, but they're not going to be on that thing for 10 hours a day. That's right. And that's what we have to make sure is happening because I have seen, especially with teenagers in the video games, that they will spend a weekend, 10 hours a day playing. Oh, for sure. It's addictive and you're connected. Unlike the video games of the 80s and 90s where you're playing and that's it, you're connected with other people from all over the world. And so if you want to play with your friends in Japan, you have to stay up late. <laughs> you have to get up early. So we're seeing people make those 10-hour time frames. So I think this is a place where parents have to relearn a word. <laughs> yes, I think I know what word that is. <laughs> yep, and that word is no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a simple one, it's but it's effective. <laughs> yeah, it's old-time parenting. Really, old-time parenting kind of works here. The word no is really important. And if you get that, that tightening in your stomach, that gut level... <clears throat> You need to say no, and right. it needs to be no across the board, not just for your child, but no for yourself. You need to model what you want, yes. but every parent needs to be able to say no. Just no, you yeah. cannot. You may have this much time, and this is okay, but no. Beyond that is not okay. You know, it's interesting you say about the modeling because I have this rule and I, I stick to it, you know, 90% of the time and you can never do a hundred. But when I come home from work, I put my phone away and I don't take it out again. Like I think Grace will attest, right? Like I don't text or anything between, you know, um, six and 9 p.m., I'm not on my phone. Absolutely. We have that rule. Right. Both ourselves. of us do that. Yes, we do. And then because of our unique job experiences, we'll be up late working. Right. So I do see you at around 11 p.m. <laughs> 11, 11 p.m. Right. But our children aren't seeing that because it's it's kid time. It's right. time. I'll to really be with wait for them to to go to sleep so that we're interacting when they come home because I think that is so missing with so many children. So let me tell you, let me give you the word for what you're doing. You are being intentional, oh, which is the greatest gift that you can give your children. You are intentional about the time you spend with them. And I don't mean quality time. We're all, hung, you know, we're stuck together. <laughs> glued. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am intentionally putting my screen away. I am not touching it. I am intentionally here in the room with you. It's not five of us lined up on the couch with five of us right. plugged into different devices. Instead, we are intentionally living our life together as a family. That is the most important vocabulary word right after no. <laughs> right. No intentional. And what it is, and it's what our podcast is about, is making sure that we're creating confidence for our children. But what Atara and I have learned from this journey is that it's it, it starts with creating confidence with the parents. So I think, Rhonda, the best lesson for these parents is to start modeling the behaviors that they want in their children. 
Yes. You, you, oh, you took my phrase, didn't oh, you? Oh, no. Did I take <laughs> <laughs> And you know how unrehearsed we like to be. I so. know copyright <laughs> infringement on me. <laughs> so it's really, it's be the parent you want your child to become. Yes. Right? Yes. If you want them to grow up and, and be that parent who interacts with their children, has a relationship with, that ch- with their children, that's what you have to do. If you want them, the day they walk out the door, whether it's to college or a job or whatever, if you want them to come back, build the relationship now. Don't right. wait till they're 17. Because, you know, what children really want from you, the biggest thing they want is your time. Your time. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely. So true. That's and beautiful, it. too. I mean, we don't have to buy the gifts. We don't have to buy the devices or the games. Right. It's really about the time. That's yeah. beautifully said. I, I want to ask a question, though, to you, Ronza, because this is a bit of a, a parental struggle that I have because I work very hard to keep my kids really as much off devices as possible. Yeah. And they don't have an Xbox or an, any of the games and I wonder sometimes, am I doing them a disservice by not having them part of this cultural experience of, let's say, Fortnite, which, you know, they peripherally know what that is, but they don't really know it because they've never done it. And I'm wondering, is there an aspect to the cultural um, end that, it, that is important for children in some sort of bonding way of growing up? So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a big question. Um, and I feel for you as a parent of young children right now because the culture itself is is going in an opposite direction than the people in it this culture is not supportive of parents at all right um and not supportive of the outcomes that parents want for their children instead it's it's almost business oriented how can we sell more so that we the business can make more money so um I saw an eight-month-old once. Um, an adult was holding the eight-month-old and was holding um, an iPhone, I think looking at a photo. And an eight-month-old who'd never been exposed to this before flicked to the next photo. Oh my so goodness. an eight-month-old intrinsically figured it out. That's, Therefore, wow. will they really miss anything? You're saying now. <laughs> I think that they can catch up. I think another, you know, nifty little phrase is less is more because once you open the door, it's like Pandora's box. There's no going backwards. Right. That's very true. If you introduce things later, you don't lose out. It's, it's like, they're probably all going to drive a car, but must they learn how to do it when they're eight? That's right. No, Let them do it when right. they when they are emotionally able to handle it is really what you're saying. And when they can create their own boundaries in a better way. Yes. And you know, no, to, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, go please ahead. go ahead, Rhonda, you know. Look, they're, they're really not ready at a younger age. Okay. And they're exposed to things that they're not prepared for. And it is because they're younger and because their brains are immature and because they don't have the ability yet to slow it down and stop. You know, the younger you are, the more you just go forward, grab it, and go with it, and you don't even know what you're getting involved in. 
when we step it back for them and look at them, and not even necessarily by age, but by, I know you, my child, you are not ready for this. We slow it down. It's great that you can be exposed to the whole world. If you want them to be exposed to the whole world, you should be sitting next to them while they're doing it because you don't know what you don't know. Screens should be in public places, nothing in a bedroom, nothing overnight in a bedroom. The rule is everything gets plugged in and you take it. No TV available in a bedroom. Oh, absolutely. Oh, screens need to be turned off about an hour before bedtime because that blue light going on on a screen just wakes up that brain and it does not induce sleep. Right. And it, and it interferes with their sleep pattern. That's what the research says. Right. This it, is, it's completely opposite of everything we know. Better to read for a child on a screen or a book, a book, tactile. <laughs> we need three. Of course. <laughs> yeah. You so know, it's true. so interesting you say that because, you know, I'm the author of, of children's books. And when my um, editor said to me, oh, we should make sure we get this on the Kindle. I was like, really? But like kids like to feel and turn pages. And she said, yeah, but they still like to do everything on their iPad today, which I thought was really amazing because when I think of my children reading, it's always, you know, a picture book in front of them turning pages. And that's the way it, sh- it really should be because, you know, I want to touch a little bit about, you said about what the touch and feel, I think um, Grace mentioned this, yes. you know, um, for like children who have dyslexia, I have a child who's dyslexic. It's all about learning is about touching and feeling. And the imprint of the pen, um, there's no substitute for how it implants on your brain and on your memory when you write something with a pen. And that's something, right, Ronza, that they're missing if they're doing everything on their screen. Right. Do you know that children learn better when they write, like in school, when they write with a pencil as opposed to typing on a screen? Right. They retain the information. It's a completely different brain pathway. Right. You know, I have to agree with that. I was in university when they started making the switch when you'd write your notes when professor was speaking. And we were here during the switch when people started bringing their laptops. Right. I remember that in law school. Right. Yes. It was such a switch. So I was about in second year of my undergrad and it started switching and I needed to physically write it out in order to memorize it. But by fourth year... It was everybody was bringing in a laptop, and so I thought I'd give it a try. And my goodness, it was so difficult to retain the information. I was more concerned about misspellings or, you know, pressing (laughs) F7 and doing a spell check than I was about retaining the information that my professor was saying. So I had to go back to the notebook and just writing, and I'm thankful for sticking with that because it just, you're physically a part of the process process. of learning when you're physically moving your finger, making those letters. And one thing I found with children today is um, with the cutback or actually elimination of cursive writing in schools, they can't even sign their name in the sixth and seventh grade, and they've lost their ability of identity. When we sign our name, we are giving a piece of ourselves to a document, we are consenting, we are That's acknowledging. Well said, yes. And with these young children not having this art form, which is cursive writing, um, this tradition, which is cursive writing, but it's also, um, it's individual. It's, it's a part of you. It's artistic, but it's an individual. It's a piece of you uh, giving consent to a document, um, acknowledging a document. We're giving away a piece of our freedom, I think, 
So cutting back on um, these devices, it seems, is the best thing to do because we're losing so many things that we don't think matter that really do matter. Right. I, we have given up a lot. Yes. And um, parents really have more influence, I believe, than we think we have. I right. think I, I've spoken with um, groups of parents who talk about, for example, their children being given a screen in school. And the concern is, well, but the school said it's a good thing. Right. Interesting. Yes, but but is it? <laughs> right. Because and again, I would turn around and say, and I, I, you know, I come from an education background. I believe teachers. I think teachers, are, I love teachers. Right. But I think we really need to take a step back and pay attention to, again, how do children really learn? Please, school, before you do this, show me the research. Right. right. Show me why you think my child should be learning on this screen. Where is it written? Right. But I mean, let's also touch on the other side of that. Um, okay. there's, there's a wonderful organizational piece, I think, right, to having an iPad, let's say, and having all your work in one place. And for children, and there's so many of them, right, who are, have an inability to organize or difficulty with organizational skills, this can be a wonderful, helpful tool for them. Yeah, but they have to learn how to organize that too. Right, exactly. They do have to on learn. My screen all the time. They have to learn, <laughs> but they, but it makes it somewhat easier having everything in one place. You know, there are these children with papers flying out of their bags, and this so, somewhat eliminates eliminates that. So I think it it comes back to to balance, right? And research in this case, because there, there hasn't been enough of that. I think that's what you're saying. Right, and there, yeah, I haven't seen any, and I I think that we need to remember that our children our children will be using devices, period. That's it. It's right. going to happen. They're going to grow up. This is going to be part of what's going on. I just hope they don't get chipped personally. Um, but we also have to be able to live in the real world. And you have to get away from your device completely. They have to get away from them completely. They have to have times free where it's not part of them. To use it as a tool... Yeah, I mean, that's where typewriters came from. It's a, right. it's yes. a tool, but it's not your whole life. You still need to get away from it, get outside, take a break. I, I, know, fam you know, I know families who have no device meals or a no device evening, and they spend a weekend day away from devices there, there's all kinds of variations. There's no one perfect way to do it. It depends on your family and what works for you. But the point is, they spend time just being. Right. That's right. Being a human being, you know, right. instead of a human doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And let, let's touch um, the ask. Let's go back to the aspect of social media a bit and how this can impact our child in you know, how does it make them feel just being part of social media? You know, I have a, my oldest child just became a teenager and intuitively she did not want to get Instagram, even though every single one of her friends had it. That is but she so said to me, right. She said to me, you know what, mommy, I, I don't want to worry every day about whether somebody likes my post. I, I have to be in school and there's enough going on there and I don't want to come home. And that needs, and that, I don't want that to be another concern. And I thought, 
wow, that was so smart of her to intuitively understand herself that way. And how do we how do we help our kids who maybe don't understand that intuitively? Because they're all on it and they're spending enormous amounts of time on it. And there's there's a lot of, as we know, cyberbullying. So how do we deal with that aspect? It goes right back to less is best. So I give your daughter a lot of credit. Me too. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And, and this is a very big issue. I was at a conference and heard um, a psychologist, Richard Freed, uh, talk about his practice. And he said that he, and he worked with, works with teenagers. Um, he said that more and more teenage girls, because of the stress of this, mm-hmm. are, you can see signs of depression. Yes. They're cutting Boys are hiding in the basement and playing games. Nobody's getting out and living a life. So incidence of depression in teens is skyrocketing. So it becomes, again, it's up to us. If they don't have, um, say, a smartphone until they're 13 or 14, mm-hmm. you have that many years to be able to to help them understand that they can be who they want to be without the media influencers. And that doesn't mean they don't have a phone at all. You just, they don't have internet access. Okay, right. Because sometimes practically they'll need a phone. Right. So, you know, think flip phone or smartphone with no right. internet, however you do it, but just right. no internet access, all right? Okay. Um, then it's a lot of communicating with them. And there are some parents who will want to see everything that their child posts or, you know, every app that they've got. Okay. There are, but know that your child will have a public one for you, a private one that you'll never find. <laughs> right, exactly. This is so true. Right. And then there are some parents who will say, no, I trust them, but your job as a parent is to teach them. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be there to have conversations with them about, so let's look at it together. You know, tell me what you enjoy about this. Why is this right. fun? What's good about it? What's bad about it? How do you think a person feels, you know, when that's said to them? How would you feel? Is this something that you would say to their face? Is this something you'd say in front of your teacher or your principal? Is this something you'd say in front of your grandmother? Like, let's start processing the words that are being said, because we all hide behind this little piece of metal. Right. That's right. right. Well, you know, isn't that so true? That's so well said, because don't you find even in the work setting that people will email each other things that they wouldn't actually say to one another, but they'll, they'll right? It's just easier to say it in an email, right? Right. And, and um, texts, as an adult, I can say that they're, they can be completely misunderstood. Oh, yes. beyond. <laughs> Yes. And you end up starting a fight when you were trying to be funny. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's very true. I actually had texts between my husband and I when we were just trying to organize things while we were both working, and he wasn't texting me back. And I said, listen, this is important. We have to get this organized. We had guests coming, and he wasn't texting me back. And when he came home, he showed me that it was just my device malfunctioning. It wasn't receiving his text, so he showed me his side of things where he was responding to each question I was asking, and my device, for whatever reason, wasn't getting those texts. So it could be device malfunction. It could be, goodness, it could be anything. Um, There's no tone in text is what I always say. It's like my mom always says, and I'm sure your mom says this, Grace, right? Just call me. 
<laughs> Pick up the phone. That. I want to hear your voice. Yes, exactly. The tone. How are are you happy today? Are you being sarcastic right. with me? Right. So, but so with true. children, how are they supposed to interpret that? That's a lot for me. Right. So, so true. That's what they miss out when it's an app. They don't get that um, the facial feedback, the tone. They don't even know how it lands. Right. And that's where it's really up to us to be modeling. And, and as um, I've heard said before, live your life out loud. So if, you're, if you use technology and it turns out in a way you wish you hadn't, it's a great opportunity to say, oh, I should not have sent that text because look what happened. Or I, this is just such a, a, a time waste to spend all my time looking at this. I've lost an hour and what have I gained? Right. But they're right. hearing you. You don't, it doesn't have to be, a, okay, kid, I'm going to teach you this lesson. Right. Living it out loud in front of them. So they can hear, I'm really, you know, I really want to read a book. I'm going to read a book because I like the way it feels. I, it helps me really understand. I don't really like that screen. Right. That's right. And they hear that. And as a businesswoman um, and an entrepreneur, um, <clears throat> both Atara and I have to use the internet in order. Of course. To, well, my Extensively. Is, <laughs> exactly. So I have my little six-year-old who will ask questions like, what is, what's Instagram? And I'll say, it's a business tool to promote things. <laughs> you know, and I tell her, this is a business. Instagram is a business. Facebook is a business. They're selling people. <laughs> like, they're selling the ideas that you say you want and you provide that product or service to them. In a six-year-old manner, you explain that. But I want her to know that social media is not a tool or a hobby. It's a business and it's not owned by you. I love that. I think that's brilliant. And I think that really puts it in perspective because I hadn't even thought about it that way. Okay. You're right. That's what it is. That's it's what business. it's all about. Mommy makes money on this business, but we also actually, and I know she's young, but we have conversations about selling because we have to um, show products and services that my business believes in to our audience to see if this is something that helps them as families. Um, so we talk a lot about business integrity and what we're putting on. Like I will say to her, we were given this book and we really enjoyed this children's book and we want to see if other people will, will enjoy it as well. But sometimes businesses will promote just a lot, just about anything like those uh, detox quote unquote teas, you know, where we start right. playing with people's health and uh, a lot of people are in desperate situations are feeling very sad. And so, you know, good business practice and bad business practice. And this is what leaks into our children's social media platform. So I think at a young age, explaining to them, this is a money making business. You could do it with integrity or you don't. And so a lot of people don't. As soon as they get that, now they have control over their information. Grace, that's brilliant. Like, oh, really. thank you, Rhonda, you sweetheart. She often says brilliant things. No. <laughs> that is the best way I think I've heard of describing it. And I love that you attach it to integrity. Yes, it's all about integrity, isn't it? Because, and you know why, Rhonda, and it's a sad reason. It's because I've seen as a businesswoman um, in the parenting industry, Atara, I know you can attest to this because you inspire so many people. Um, there is a lot of product and services being sold without integrity, that can so put true. parents and children in danger. And that breaks my heart because I would rather not make a dime off of the baby spot and encourage 
good products and services than be a multimillionaire and be in, you know, selling something and that sell just be about anything or everything that oh, you get goodness, paid for. Yes. Right. There's anything. so much of that going on. More so more so often than not. Isn't that yeah. the case? Yes. And, and I think it's also important to remember um, that I think you said this, we don't own Instagram and Facebook, right? So right. we have to keep that in mind for our children, for ourselves. In the long term, everything out there is out there, not owned by you forever. And that's important to remember. Right. Anything you put out there is forever. Right. Wow. Yes. Which kids really need to understand and they don't. And that, that's yeah. why it's our job to really help them. So we have to wrap up, but I have to say this has been really important and informative and really empowering because I think um, it all comes back to if we can empower ourselves to model the appropriate ways to do things and not necessarily to abstain entirely from devices, but just to have control over them. We can impart this to our children and then they grow up to be people and parents who can then impart it further. And I think that's really the key. So thank you for helping us with this very important conversation. This has been a pleasure, really, both of you, Atara, Grace. Really, I've enjoyed this conversation greatly. I'm so happy. We'll bring you back again. Thank you. It would be great. All right. Tell us just quickly for our listeners, your website and where people can find you. People can find me at www.allthesewordsareconnectedpractical.com. Solutions with an S, parent coaching, ing, dot com. And you can email me through there or you can reach me by phone at area code 614-459-8628 Eastern Time. Oh, see, she's a fantastic audience. She will reach out. You can reach out to her directly, which a lot of our experts do not do. So you know she's just full of integrity and passion about what she's doing. And her website will be in our show notes so you can keep visiting her again and again. Amazing. Thank you again, Ronzo. We look forward to um, speaking to you again soon. My pleasure. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye for now. 